This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Hello, bunny boys. Welcome back. Damsels in disgust. Damsels in disgust. Damsels who disgust. Oh Damsels my gosh. Disgust. And we are in this. We are in discussion. We are in discussion. And apparently I need to discuss the title of our podcast because I can't say it correctly. That's cool. I think I've started to announce Titanic Talkland like five times running this show. <laughs> Welcome to Titanic's Who Discuss. Yes. I mean, there is a Titanic connection in this um, in this movie. A little one. In this one in particular? In, in The Rescuers? In The Rescuers. Yeah. Indeed. But we'll get to that later. Uh, how are you? I'm <laughs> doing well. I'm uh, I'm sipping a very full mug of green tea in a mug that I have not shown you yet. Um, I like might not it. be able to, but it's very cool. It has a bunch of the Disney villains on it, and I got it as a wonderful birthday gift uh, from a friend of mine. I love it. For guys who cannot see, it's done in sort of like a pen and ink style, and it's a lot of the classic Disney villainesses. It's got, let's see, Cruella, Maleficent, Evil Queen, Ursula. and Ursula. Yeah. It's yeah cool. it's a very neat thing so shout out to seth this is a very cool birthday gift thank you so much well done, also, yeah also holds a bucket of tea like oh my god there's so much so much liquid in here that's what i like about a mug though i've realized i don't like the standard size coffee mugs like mine's about the same size as yours um proportion of my head but yeah, yeah it's i i like having basically two cups of tea yeah, I enjoy when my mugs are the size of a, a large baby's head. Yes, same. Yeah. It just makes me happy. It, <laughs> it fills me with the caffeine and motivation to get through my day. It, some, it sometimes does that for me. Other times it's just like, I need more. I just need more. Yeah, more. sometimes I need more warmth. More warmth in your life. Fair. Sometimes I just take showers for that reason. Do you ever take a shower while holding a warm cup of tea? No, but I have done a shower beer before. I, I do shower sodas now because I don't drink anymore. But I'll do like a post-practice shower soda. You know, I didn't realize how shower beers are like a thing, like a, a thing. phrase. They are, they're, it's, they're it, a thing. It's a thing that I learned about after roller derby. And I'm not going to lie, I still don't quite understand it. The only reason I do it is because I'm like, I'm actually just really thirsty and I want a shower now. So I need to function on two levels. <laughs> So I need to ask, because I'm also not a person who was like, who would, who would try to do too much multitasking in the shower, Mm-mm. aside from like shaving. Like no. I could never, I could never brush my teeth in the shower. Um, no. I certainly could not have my, you know, two fingers of whiskey. Uh, when you have your sodas, do you use like a resealable plastic bottle or a can? It's a can, but I have um, a, a suction cup on a shelf that holds my soap and stuff. So I just rest it on top of one of the um, soap containers because it has a, the soap containers have lids to keep them from getting gross. From so getting I put it on the soap lid. and water in them? <laughs> well, they're shampoo and conditioner bars. So they're yeah. not regular soap. But yeah, they have they have little containers and I just rest the can on that. Brilliant. But Brilliant. There, I do know people that have like suction cup shower beer holders. Like I don't have one of those. There's so many things that you can suction cup to the wall of your shower. So many. The world is your um. The world is your oyster. The world is your suction. <laughs> Suck it. Suck it, bitch. 
Suck it, bitch. <laughs> um, well, rescuers. Yeah. Do we want to get right into it? Let's get into it. Well, I have a special guest to help me with the summary of the rescuers. Really? I'm so happy. I'm so so happy for this. Yes, our first special guest. Okay. So, without further ado, I must welcome Miss Bianca, not Del Rio. I'm sorry. Aw, but I do like Miss Bianca. I do like Miss Bianca, too. Hello, my darlings. It's Bianca here to tell you the tale of two brave mice and how they got involved in a completely avoidable and stupid situation. It's true. We started out as two small-time mice from a series of novels that were deemed too political for Disney to animate in the 60s. Thankfully, a new school of animators took over in the 70s and invested an estimated $7.5 million, the most expensive animated Disney film since Sleeping Beauty, into bringing us small mice to the big screen. Only the best for us, darling. Oh, I'm being told I must assist with a rescue down under. What that means, I don't know, but I'm sure it will lead to a grand adventure. Farewell. Bye. For my poor imitation of Bianca, I'll take it from here. Okay. (laughs) The plot of this movie is pretty simple. You know, I don't really know why we even need to discuss it. A conveniently orphaned little girl named Penny gets abducted or willingly runs away with the land version of Ursula the Sea Witch, Madame Medusa. Madame Madame Medusa's bunch of boutique. Sorry. I like that. Well, Madame Medusa resembles a lumpy octopus villain in demeanor, (laughs) physicality, and choice of pet goon with her two rotund crocodiles, Brutus and Nero. Also, a fun fact Uh about uh, Madame Medusa's character design. Um, She was she was made off of uh, oh, who was this? It was one of the animators wives. Mm -hmm. Which I don't feel is quite quite a good um, like portrayal. Of your wife, if you uh, like her. It's but not... it's their ex-wife. <laughs> it's uh, still an interesting... So it's... it was based on a woman named Phyllis Bounds, um, yeah. Lillian Disney's niece. And this is Milton Call's ex-wife. Ex-wife, Milton Call. yes. Yes, yeah. Milton Call's ex-wife. And it says here, the new version of the character was renamed Madame Medusa, and her appearance was based on Call's then-wife. Then-wife! Phyllis yeah. Bounds, whom he divorced in 1978, so it's the year after the movie came out. This was Call's last film for the studio, and he wanted his final character to be his best. Yeah, he so was... he chose his wife, who he didn't really like. Well, not only he that, but it says here, the next thing it says is that he insisted on perfecting Madame Medusa so much that he ended up doing almost all of the animation for him, her himself. Which is pretty intense. It's intense, and it's quite the, like... I need to make this the most incredible character I've ever designed. Hmm. My ugly wife. <laughs> Let me Let everyone, me territorial. <laughs> everyone grimaces upon her visage. Yeah. 
Well, <clears throat> Medusa works with her henchman, Droopy Dog, in human form as a man named Mr. Snoops, mm-hmm. um, to use Penny's tiny, tiny parentless child hands to search for a gigantic diamond that will somehow immediately solve all their problems. Yeah, everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Penny's fed up with having to listen to these two blowhards, so she sends a message in a bottle, and the only creatures who pay attention to it are a bunch of mice who dedicate their lives to rescuing people for some reason. The prettiest rescue mouse, Miss Bianca, volunteers for this mission, but only if she can take her secret crush, the not-at-all-trained-to-do-this-kind-of-thing-because-I'm-a-janitor, Bernard. Yeah, why not? Why not? Thanks to the powerhouse voice talents of Eva Gabor as Miss Bianca and Bob Newhart as Bernard, these two mice have all the chutzpah they need to track down Penny's orphanage and sort and sort of her reason for living or leaving. They don't really figure out like why she left the orphanage. No, not really. Especially because later on she's like, please bring me back to the orphanage so I can get adopted. Yeah, it's like, did you not? Okay. <clears throat> uh, they are able to travel to the bayou befriend all the swamp creatures almost kill a full-grown woman and her overfed pet crocs Mm -hmm. save a random little girl collect the biggest cubic zirconia in existence which of course is donated to a museum instantly get zero credit for it yeah well maybe they'll have better luck in 13 years when they head to australia to save another random child oh my gosh well, we have that to look forward to, but we for do. now we get to talk about the <clears throat> rescuers, which I believe this is also the first Disney film to be released in the same year as another Disney animated film. Might be. Um, and because both of this and the film we were just talking about, The mm-hmm. Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, were both released in 1977. Yeah, I... I do also know that the production of the rescuers have been going on for quite some time beforehand. So this didn't exactly come up on them as a surprise, but yeah, it is, I think, as you pointed out the first time that we've had, excuse me, two um, major film releases in the same year for Disney. Yeah. And we're not getting to it quite yet, but um, this is one of the very few Disney movies that has a sequel. Like a, yeah, like a, and real a sequel. canonical sequel. Yeah. Not, not, not redoing it. Or just like the weird low budget thing. This is like a sequel that is actually part of the Disney animated classics lineup. Yeah. This, I will say this <laughs> is also kind of a movie that um, I don't feel like it's quite as, it doesn't have the same light and airy feel as some of the Fair. other movies we've watched. And it doesn't have the same, uh, I would say instantly recognizable soundtrack. Oh my god. All the songs in this movie suck. Every single I'm not singing anything from here. Every single sound this it I wrote down one of them specifically because I couldn't steal somebody else's joke, so I had to make my own. But I basically <laughs> wrote down that the background track sounds like an ad like the sound that you'd hear in an advertisement for a marriage retreat. Yeah, no, it's very non like nondescript. <clears throat> so I, I I I'm saying that now because I also could not think of a song that I wanted you to sing. <laughs> they're so I think all, we're both good. Ugh, they're all bad. But before we get into how terrible the music is <laughs> and how many plot holes this movie has, I do want to ask, uh-huh. um, what was your relationship with the rescuers as a kid? 
I saw the rescuers down under first. I I didn't see the rescuers until I don't remember how old I was, but it was definitely, you know, it was not the same time as them. I was way more familiar with the rescuers down under before I saw this one. So I didn't really have a relationship with it. I like it. I've seen it, um, seen it since then, not just once, I've seen it a couple times. But um yeah, I didn't really have a relationship with it. But like, what about you? I mean, honestly, kind of the same. Yeah. So I think because The Rescuers came out in 1990, it's one of those movies where it's like, okay, we're actually watching this when it comes out. Correct. That's a big, um, a big por- um, portion of it, as you pointed out, is that it came out when it did. This one is when we, we were alive. <laughs> right. This one came out in 1977. It was. It's been. It's been a while. It's been a long time. I also. I don't remember when I watched The Rescuers itself because I remember watching The Rescuers Down Under quite a bit quite enjoyed same it. same i i owned that one i'm gonna have a lot yeah. more to say about it just because not because i don't like that this one but i just remember watching the down under one same <laughs> and, and and like and i think i also owned the that one but for some reason i didn't own this one the original no, either and also upon watching it i was trying to remember like did i watch this as a kid and i i know i did but i have no memories of it Oh, I have a couple of pretty distinct memories from watching this. Um, a few things definitely stuck out to me when I was like, oh my God, I remember watching this. Oh my gosh, I've seen that. I remember this part. Like the um the crocodiles and the organ was like, I have oh, yeah. such vivid memories of seeing that scene and still I still thought it was as funny as I thought it was then. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I don't remember what this was as my in my childhood. I do remember Valid. So I think if I did watch it, I have this very vague memory of it just being a very dark movie, <laughs> as in the the lighting and the tone of the movie is there's a lot of black that's visually valid. on the screen. Yeah. And I was right. Rewatching this, this feels like a movie that takes place in the nighttime, like everyone's a vampire because it's also dark. <laughs> it does. It is very much a movie of the night. Yeah. <laughs> a movie of is, the night. <laughs> which is, it sounds weird when I say it. But it is. It, that's when it like the whole thing freaking takes place. Is it, it's it's all dark. No matter yeah. what time of the day, it's just hi. Welcome to dark. Welcome to dark. <laughs> well, should we uh, welcome welcome ourselves to the opening credits, um, yeah. which I wrote look like Peter Pan but with oil pastel. I wrote down Jesus. I forgot these songs suck. Yeah, I also wrote there was another lullaby, um, and I was really hoping Bianca Del Rio would make an appearance. Just really, really hoping. You're going to be hoping for a minute here. I know. You're going to be, as another Disney character would say, waiting on a miracle. I will be waiting on a miracle. But, no, we just get this croony, whaley, won't somebody come save me, kind of. It's just like, who will rescue me? Oh, basically, it's like, Come save me from this world. Yeah, it's basically singing. Um, I'm helpless. Help. And what Help. we're doing is following. Oh gosh. Oh, what, Jesus Christ! A message in a bottle. There we go. Penny. We the first thing we see is this little girl throwing a message in a bottle into the water, and the intro credits us are watching this bottle get thrashed around while somebody sings a desperate song in the background. I will say that like the only thing that I liked about these credits is it felt like you were watching storyboards, which if you are true, then that's then that's kind of cool. Like I I kind of liked 
bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did also bring up another uh, interesting fact that this is the end of the like sketchy animation period, the xerography that we've mm-hmm. been talking about. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, it, <laughs> full stop. We're done. We don't need to discuss anymore. Uh, but but yeah. So this uh, this allowed the animation technique that they used was a little bit more um, stylistic and allowed for using things like purple tones for outlines. So we okay. could uh, move past just the the black xerox looking interesting okay no that actually yeah. makes sense that i just never had consider i know that you're a big fan of the sketchy um the the more sketch style thing of animation but as we've discussed it's just not i don't love it i personally don't and that that's amazing y'all i think it's a very like it's disney to see the perspective like see perfection in the lines and the animation which is why it's so strange when you look at something like uh 101 dalmatians where it is that very mm. sketchy line and you're like this just doesn't feel like disney yeah it, it to me again this is this is what i feel to you personally in general you are not as big of a fan of the sketch it's fine. and that's fine because neither of us are a big fan of this opening and then the music also changes like it becomes yeah. like a James Bond like I, who loved me song. <laughs> I wrote down here, uh, did you want a tone change? Too bad. I I also was a little annoyed that we got to watch the credits to the movie because we reached the end of the credits and I was like, Well, I guess we're done. Yeah, the movie's over. Bye. We're Thanks done. For coming out, everybody. Yeah. Um and like I wrote the song ends and we get our immediate answer that the mice will rescue her (laughs) exactly the question was asked and immediately they were like and received yeah but uh yeah we go to the um the UN basically yeah we start out at the we do we do we start out at the United Nations but then we find the small United Nations Yes, every single diplomat that we see, human diplomat, which looks like an extra from Ruby, <laughs> every single one that we see, we get a cute little mouse counterpart who is somehow wearing the exact same outfit. And I want to know who and how are they coordinating this miniature tail? Like when the diplomat, like I'm going to pretend that I'm the diplomat. Like, okay. So I wake up in the morning and I put on my, whatever I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. Are we assuming that my, my little mouse buddy just has that too? Here's what I think. Okay. Here's what I think. So I think that the mouse diplomats live in the walls of the human diplomats. And uh, as with human diplomats, they have a whole staff at their disposal. It's just a smaller staff. Um, And that small staff will go out at night uh, into the main diplomat's closet, steal their clothes, (laughs) and design small little mouse versions of all of their clothes so that they have the exact same closet as the human diplomat. And then the human diplomats' tailors are like, it's really strange that all of these, like, is, are these are these mouse prints? What is this? I don't know. I'll just repair these clothes because I'm an amazing tailor. 
So yes. I think it might be that. I think I, I think they might just be um <laughs> staffing up. <laughs> I that was my primary mission on this scene was every <laughs> single for this scene. That's a good concern. It's a yeah, good concern. <laughs> be fair. Every single one of them has this coat, not just like most of them. Every single one is wearing the exact same. Not a single one of them spilled their coffee on it the night before. No one's got a tear. No one forgot. No. Do, do you think that we have the UN? We have the Rescue Society, but do we have another secret society of mouse-to-human relations where they're talking to the UN and they're like, listen, guys, for, for lack of, of uh, confusion, um, we need to make sure that both our mouse diplomats and our human diplomats look identical. We meet sometimes in the lunchroom and it gets real confusing when I'm talking to the mouse diplomat of Japan, but the human diplomat of Antarctica and they look the same. <laughs> I don't Probably? know if there's a human diplomat of Antarctica. I assume that's actually a penguin. <laughs> it's a penguin no matter what species it is. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we agree with you, but we don't think that we're going to get the the people to understand that we need to send all of our missiles to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. We're fine. We're- well, I think what I'm very confident in is that I really enjoy the Mouse United Nations, and boy, do yes. I wish that, that was a thing in high school. I just really, again, I am just, I love the dedication to the costuming. And I also really appreciate their dedication, excuse me, to somehow managing to get together at one minute's notice. Right? Your mice. Uh, yeah, but they've all managed to get to New York. Oh, yeah, they all managed to get to New York, which is this is why I do think that like they're just living <clears throat> in the diplomats' okay. houses there. But what I'm also amazed about is the fact that they start every meeting uh, with the Rescue Aid Society theme song. Yes, which is also sung in English. Despite the fact that the UN is made up of of international mice. Because English, bitch. (laughs) English is, I guess, the universal language at this point. It does make, I mean, this is not meant to make me sound like an absolute idiot, which is about, it is about to in one second. But do they not speak English at UN meetings? No, I actually do think that that English is at this point okay. the universal language. Like, I'm not, I'm not joking <laughs> in that regard, but I do think it's very funny that it's like we have to have our theme song, but everyone has to sing it in English. Yes, <laughs> it, it it definitely sets the tone for everything. Because yeah. I, I also found it interesting that when um, we saw a few of the diplomats who were trickling in um, as they passed Bernard who is um, our very reluctant uh, hero. But as they all pass Bernard, they all say hello to him in their native language. Like he says hello in English, but not a single person responds back. He's like, hello, Mrs. German ambassador. Guten Tag, Ben. Ben Hart. 
Okay. Maybe they're just more comfortable and they just learned the the theme song in English, just like how well-learned theme songs are pop songs in other languages. That's fair. I just think it's interesting that not a single one, he's like, hello, Mrs. You know, Italy. And, and it, it, instead of just being like, hello, or hello, it's always, oh, be- que bellissimo Bernardo. Yeah. Like, it's never just normal. Like, hi. Hey. <laughs> this is such a like, um, it's such a movie trope to yes. speak in English, but then have the characters who speak fluent English respond in their native tongue just to be like, hey, look, these guys are international. It's it's uh, just like we were talking about for Winnie the Pooh. Um, we need that little level of uh, any other language besides English so that it connects with those audiences. German audiences won't understand the rescuers unless we have one character say Guten Tag. <laughs> Kind of feels a bit like that. Just because, just yeah, because I, I don't know. I'm saying the same thing over and over again at this point. But we then get the Rescue A Society theme in English, and our second protagonist waltzes in late. But she's too beautiful to show up on time. She Ooh, needed her beautiful beauty rest as a little mouse. <clears throat> This becomes a bit of, and not by a bit of, I mean an absolute trend throughout this movie of her being like, but my beauty ritual. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess she's, she's a very, Miss Bianca is a very beautiful mouse. She is a very stylish, fashionable mouse, but she shows up with her perfume. (laughs) Yeah. Mouse perfume. Which I remember. (laughs) It's just her immediately coming in just being like, Right in Bernard's face. Oh, but she loves him. She does. I so th- this is one thing that I do remember about the rescuers down under too is that Miss Bianca has the most perfect voice. I am an Ava Gabor fan. Yeah, same. I think it fits her absolutely perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know that this was made up of a like i said a book series that existed before eva gabor but it almost feels like they designed bianca for her yeah it kind of and it's entirely possible that they did that's what i was wondering about if uh her voice was the original voice that they were going for i'm sorry like Cut um for a second i was wondering if eva gabor was the inspiration for like okay this, we're going to make this character for her well, it's because, entirely possible yeah because she did she voiced uh duchess in aristocats so mm-hmm. they might have been like all right you've already done the cat time for you How to play the, the mouse. mouse yeah <laughs> but yeah no i I think she's perfect for it. I think she really, really embodies the character. And I love how she just like dismisses the chairman who, by the way, I was promising a Titanic connection. This is it. (laughs) The chairman, excuse me, is voiced by Bernard Fox, Bernard Fox. And anyone who knows Titanic will know him as Colonel Archibald Gracie. Oh, well, lovely. Yes. For anyone who doesn't know which character that is, he's in the scene uh, after Jack rescues Rose and they're sorting things out and uh every, you know leonardo dicaprio is like yep it was a slip everything's fine he's the one who goes ah back to our brandy eh <laughs> that's him oh how casual that sounds yes. right as a 
making uh, him a chair chairperson too, which apparently wasn't originally in the book. In the book originally, it was a female chairperson. Huh. There were a lot of changes uh, from the rescuer novels to the movie. <laughs> I'm not going to read all of them, but that was one <laughs> of the ones that stood out to me. It was the fact that Mr. Chair- Chairman did not exist. There was a Madame Chairwoman instead. Yeah. Ooh. There also apparently wasn't really a romance um, in the books, which but they kind I, of add here, which I think makes sense. I was actually going to say that I actually think it it does make a pretty good amount of sense, honestly. Yeah. And it doesn't feel forced either. It feels like it works. It feels cute. It it feels like it works. That's that's basically where it goes down to. It doesn't feel like, you know, it feels like she's, as you pointed out, maybe thought he was cute for a while. And finally, you know, he's he probably thought she was cute for a while. And now he's kind of in the mix and she's little in the mix. And it, you know, yeah, it kind of works in that way. It kind of does. And I, I tend to hate when they shoehorn romance into like action oh God, movies or buddy movies. Agree. Yeah, but in this case, it's cute, and I kind of expect it and kind of want it because Bernard is such a fuddy-duddy janitor literally going on this spy adventure with the (laughs) casual-as-fuck sexy spy. (laughs) Yeah, with Miss Bianca, who both cares a lot and doesn't seem to care about anything. Yeah, I also wrote down that she's like the Angelina Jolie of mice with her UN ambassadorship and everything. You're processing this thought. I really am. I don't even know how to say. It. Like, I, but Bianca seems a little more effective. <clears throat> I mean, she definitely is more than a figurehead. It's true. <laughs> like, like the UN likes to make celebrities. Um, although I do think Angelina Jolie has done stuff, but I could be wrong. I don't. That was that was a very surface level joke, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't care. But um, she picks Bernard, and the next scene is them trying to cut through the zoo to well, get. Oh, okay. But before before we get to that, so they get the message in the bottle, in like it ma- it makes it to the rescuer society or whatever. It was a very frustrating scene for me to watch them try to get this message out of the bottle of glass, and instead of just tipping over this bottle. So that someone could climb in and grab the message and get out pretty easily. They Why would you it, do that? They keep it vertical and Bernard falls in to the bottle and they kind of leave him trapped in there while they're figuring out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, he can breathe. Yeah. And then that's when um, the only female mouse in the entire UN, Miss Bianca, is like, I need to rescue this little girl and I'm going to take Jupiter. Which I have to give him credit for. It shocks Bernard. He was not in on this plan. Yeah, he wasn't. And technically he's he's trapped into agreeing because he's stuck in a bottle. Yeah, he can't quite get out. But he yeah. does he does end up agreeing. And they uh off they go into the wildly yonder. Or as you said, the zoo. The zoo. Here is where I initially really started to notice that the whites of their eyes are not colored in. Ooh, yeah. And I find it very disturbing. 
And I Googled the rescuers down under to see if this was something that they changed then. They did. In the 90s, they have refined the animation style and they colored on the whites of the eyes. And I think it makes a good difference. I don't know why they chose not to do this here. It's especially prevalent with Bernard because he's brown. Bianca's fur is white, so it's a little less noticeable in her eyes, but... It's really noticeable with his, and especially considering they are the main characters. As we were like, I got I went into this whole thing last week about eyes and expressiveness. I find this to be a really weird choice. <clears throat> I think it's I think it's very interesting because it's a uh, it is both a difference of um, animation styles in general at the time. Like I'm looking at Bianca in mm-hmm. the rescuers versus the rescuers down under and she is a very different character model yes. uh, in the 1990 version but both of them to me feel like they fit the decade decade that they're animated for so the 1990s she Super looks valid. like a 1990 animated mouse um with the eyes which i think makes sense uh but then the 1970s one i really cannot describe this but there is the um we just didn't know what animated cartoon mouse eyes needed to look like, despite Mickey, I guess, having whites of his eyes in the 70s. It was just, I I had noticed it, I think, before in the past. Yeah. Um, I, it just been something where I was like, huh, that's weird. But then again, watching as an adult, it was very interesting to just be like, huh, weird. No, it, it is really interesting, because there's also... Um, Oh, I guess that's from the 1990s one. I'm looking at a frame and trying to to determine if this was the 1990s or the 1977 version. And this is the 90s. They made her face more like angular too. In the 1990s, they actually, the the other difference is that they actually draw, uh, not only do they make the whites of their eyes, but they actually draw an outline around their entire eye. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of really interesting stylistic changes that I agree with you. I think it makes them more expressive. It makes it makes them a little more human. Yeah, and <laughs> that I think that does a lot of favors, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, and again, it's also not saying that it can't be done. And it, it I like this movie. I do. Um, but it's it's something that you do you Jesus Christ. It's something that you notice. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Just you know what else I noticed? Um, the rescuers have the same motto as the U.S. Postal Service, where they're like, come rain or snow, we will rescue you. It's in a really pinch, similar. In a line. <laughs> yeah. What is, what is the U.S. Postal Service um, phrase? It's like, it's basically come hell or high water, we'll deliver your mail. Unless it's okay. on a Sunday, then we're not going to bother. We're off that day. Neither yeah. snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. That's really similar to the rescuers. <laughs> you just don't sing it, though. No. But, um... Well, we so don't they... know that. Neither of us work for the post office. Maybe they start every day by singing that. <laughs> Super fair. <laughs> uh, but they... They managed to get to the orphanage where Penny disappeared from because the lo- the note, the watered out note they got basically just said, come help. Um, I've been kidnapped. And they make it to Morningside Orphanage where she was living. Yeah, I, I wrote that they made it to the uh, 
to the orphanage really easily and quickly. Like they just Very fast. knew where it was. Well, they I zipped wonder... through the zoo. Yeah. Well, they're in New York. It, I think the implication is that this orphanage is still in New York City too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because they return to everything starts in New York and the movie ends in New Back York. Back in New York. Yeah. But yeah. it's still like, cool. I'm glad you guys were just able to find that. Able to find it. Just yes. fine. Okay. You just it's, knew where to go. It's kind of implied um, that they got there in a night, which, as you said, convenient. But also New York City is a bit of a grid, so maybe they just kind of knew. But but they do get there, and the first thing they find is a box of Penny's belongings. And the second thing they find is a cat. They don't find any cat. They find a cat with a mustache. Yes, Rufus! Yeah. Who... Rufus the mustache cat with glasses. Rufus the mustache cat with glasses who likes who looks like he came right out of out of Mythbusters. <laughs> kind of does. I I loved Rufus. I Rufus was so happy. Is, I love Rufus and he's the first real lead they get though it takes a while. He <laughs> excuse me. He explains to them that Penny last time he really saw her she was sad because adoption day another one came and went and no one picked her. Mhm. And then he leads on to say something along the lines of like, well, there's this one thing. There was this crazy lady that offered to give Penny a ride. But Penny knows better than to get involved with those kinds of people. But then she just kind of disappeared and Rufus was like, I don't know if she ran away or not. Right. And I know that there's some people who are probably thinking like, well, that's stupid. Like a kid just taking a ride from a stranger. Um, Kids go missing every day. Sadly, things, things happen. And I'm, you know, I thought about this as an adult. I was like, okay, like she probably, you know, just on the spur of the moment was like, I'm going to run away from the orphanage. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. Whatever. Like, I didn't get adopted. It's it's fine. It's fine. And I'm picturing that she just like sprinted out of the orphanage, kind of maybe got a couple blocks away, didn't know what to do, and then ran into this bitch who was probably like, oh, or thing. Uh, so this is a I guess. have some thoughts on this this piece. I have a couple of thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. My my first thought concerning what we're actually discussing is um, that that is an option, what you described. What I was thinking was maybe Penny was hanging outside the orphanage on the day when everybody else got adopted and is like, oh, pity me. I, I just wish to be adopted. And Madame Medusa drives by in her Cruella de Vil car because she was originally supposed to be Cruella de Vil. Yes. And is like, Hey, you little girl there, you want a job? You want to help me out? And that's when Penny goes up and is like, oh, okay, maybe. Will you adopt me? And the woman's like, maybe. Jump in my car. If I'm assuming that based on the way we see Medusa initially, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but the way that we initially see Medusa interacting with Penny, it is honeyed kindness that, oh, honey, sweetie pie, baby girl. Yeah. So I'm imagining that's probably how she approached her. And even though Penny's clearly a little scared of her, it's like, but she's talking nice to me. And that's... She did some type of tricking. That's what my assumption is, too. I don't even know. If, I mean, yes, but like, so... 
I had a friend go missing when I was in high school. They were lured away by a predator. Yeah. And it's this kind of exact situation where someone who's a little naive and a little bit bit vulnerable is offered something they want. So as you're saying, it's probably, she was like, Oh, you come with me or you'll be helpful. It's like, Oh, you want a family or no one adopted you. Who, who wouldn't want to adopt a little thing like you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You fill in the gaps that they're telling you they don't have. And I'm sure that, you know, Rufus watching from his window in the orphanage is like, look at that fucking crazy lady talking to Penny. Why would Penny talk to her? But, you know, if she's just been through another adoption day, no one's picked her and she's still sad and she's still sulky. And someone comes up and says, oh, what's the thing like you doing crying on the sidewalk and starts talking? Yeah, she might hop in that car with that person. I think, right. I think it's likely. I, I I also think that Rufus is too old for any of this shit. He is too old for any of the shit, but the only reason I wanted to bring that up was just because it's kind of like, it's not the stupidest thing ever to consider that Penny got into a stranger's car. Oh yeah, it's not. It's just, it's another thing that this game does not tell us ever mm-hmm. to, to kind of link, like there's a lot of things where this movie just kind of skips around and is like, I don't know, figure out the links yourself. How yes. they found the orphanage in the first place. The, yes. um, the way that penny actually ends up with madame medusa and mr snoops uh how penny can apparently speak to animals yes she she and seems... no one says a thing yeah. no she's eliza thornberry over here she can talk to rufus she can talk to the mice she can talk to every animal that can speak back to her because nero and brutus do not talk to her yeah and it's just super super casual yeah, the totally fact that fine. she can just talk to animals and no one questions it. No, but I also do like how when Bernard and Bianca are like, aren't the police looking for her? Rufus is like, they gave up weeks ago. <laughs> Good yeah. job, everyone. A plus. She's, but don't the police know that she is the future spokesperson for Wendy's? She must be found. Seriously, but they leave that job up to Bernard and Bianca who make their way to the airport where I want to know how no one has noticed an albatross nesting on the roof. I wanted to point out that uh, when they make their way to the airport, um, they Oh, are... I skipped Medusa's wild ride. Ooh, yeah. So where was that? But there's also a point where... Uh, I took a screenshot of this. Bianca and Bernard are sneaking past like a ticket gate. And there is a button on the ticket window that says NRA. This is Medusa's pawn shop. Yeah, so Medusa's Medusa's an NRA member. Uh, So they are sneaking into her pawn shop. And I I don't remember how the time I figured it out, but it seems to me that Penny's been missing for three months. Somewhere in here, there was something that was said or demonstrated that made me believe that she's been missing for about three months, Penny. She's, she's dead by now she's been gone for a while and the other thing i noted was that as we discussed at great length they're in new york and they're in devil's bayou which i'm assuming is in louisiana i don't think it's a real place yeah but i'm assuming it's supposed to be in louisiana because of the bayou is. too yeah yeah it's it it's a fake place but it's supposed to be in louisiana and my question is why doesn't she have a pawn shop closer to her source like if all her diamonds are coming directly out of a cave in new orleans why doesn't she just have a pawn shop in new orleans and not deal with the shipping and the pricing 
<clears throat> my realistic response to that is um, <laughs> for the same reason that we as humans uh, export a lot of things from other countries and then ship them over here. It's because it's actually cheaper to export in the other country and then bring it over. Uh, Louisiana and New York City are going to have vastly different uh, audiences for their jewels. But that's my actual realistic response. My thinking about the entire plot of this movie response is, I wonder if she got away from Louisiana and didn't have the idea for a pawn shop until she made it to New York. Also a valid point, but um, we the first glimpse we see of Medusa is very relatable, where she is stomping towards a ringing phone, pissed off. This right. woman is a 12-pound sack of meat in a 5-pound bag. I love her dress. It's doing overtime. It is. It's doing a lot. It is. Ooh. But, it's making this a kid's movie, is what it like. It's allowing it to be a kid's movie. Yes. It, yeah, she is the kind of character that would be wearing not that. No, <laughs> everything would just be falling out if yes. this were a different movie. But in this movie, she answers the phone and is fucking furious that her business partner, who we have not yet met, has not managed to convince a small child to crawl down a hole. I know, right? How very dare he? <laughs> How very dare he indeed. He is, she is super mad at him. And also two things before I move on a little bit. The voice actress for um, Madame Medusa is a woman named Geraldine Page. Mm-hmm. And I do not have time to get into her discography, but holy shit, that is an icon of a human being. Yeah, she's done a lot. She's incredible. And Joe Flynn, we haven't met Mr. Snoops yet, but that's going to be her business partner. This is a final film for a lot of people. We were discussing this a little bit earlier. Um, This is Joe Flynn's final role. And it was actually not released until 1977. And he passed away in 1974. I don't have anything to add to the voice actors, but I do want to just add that Madame Medusa to me looks like Carol Burnett on meth. Yeah, it looks like uh, Miss Hannigan, who had a really, had a particularly worse few years. Oh, yeah. And it's just an us, us finding out that she was meticulously designed off of an animator's ex-wife. And he was the one to animate her because he was so insistent about it. Does not make her character design any more uh, attractive. No, it does not. But like, what I do... an insult. I do have to love, like, she gets so mad. She's like, I'm coming down there to deal with this myself. And she just starts packing and raging. And yep. Bianca and Bernard are really worried about her seeing them sneaking in. And I'm like, Medusa's so pissed. She wouldn't notice you. You could climb into the passenger seat. She'd have yeah. no clue. Yeah. And they don't. So I also wanted to point out that the mice themselves do not hop into the car. No, they get in her suitcase. <clears throat> yeah. Which I guess makes sense, because, you know, you'd think her suitcase is going to come with her. You'd think. But then she loses her luggage. Because she's driving, like... Like a DeVille? Crazy person, yeah. <laughs> like a Cruella DeVille? Yeah, yeah. Well, we can talk about that, because yeah. she is driving, like, Cruella DeVille. Well, the initial co- initial concept was that Cruella DeVille was going to be the villain. Mm-hmm. But then they didn't really like that idea because I because I don't think Disney was super into um, using their characters and other properties. Interesting. Yet. 
yet. Okay. Yeah, for the same reason that they didn't like like make sequels of films. They didn't want to. <laughs> make I mean, that's of their fair. I kind of wish they'd go back to that. I kind of do too. Mm. Uh, give us more IPs, um, even if you're going to steal it from <laughs> from other properties. But but yeah, all of that ended up creating this complete u- unique character of Madame Medusa, um, who then loses her luggage, and then somehow the mice get to the airport, assumedly by getting a little mouse Uber. Somehow they get there, but this goes back to the point that I brought up a couple minutes ago, which is that um, how are the humans fully not aware of an albatross hanging out on the roof of an airport? I I also want to know how they all of these mice were running through a very busy airport and not getting stepped on. Yes. And not being seen by any of the humans that should have freaked the fuck out right because they're standing just like right there yeah and then like you said there's a whole airport on top of the airport with an albatross yeah and no one's been like weird is that hey dave is that an albatross yeah <laughs> dave do you see that, that bird up there i think he's wearing goggles he seems to be Doing some type of uh, boarding. Stuff. There's there's mice boarding that bird. He's is wearing a sardine can. It's legal? I don't know if this is legal, dude. Right, but somehow no one notices this. Yeah, this is also like I I don't know. I want to know so much more about Albatross Airlines. Same. Uh, and Orville. And Orville, especially because, uh. Bianca and Bernard show up. Bernard is is doing his best Bob Newhart as a person impersonation and saying, oh, God, we're late for our flight. We're not going to make it. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I'm a neurotic mess. Guys, Bernard is actually voiced by Bob Newhart, if you didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I brought it up in the summary, and then I did not reference it again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Bianca's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm sure we're fine. We're fine. Um. And then they get very lucky as the only flight that the albatross apparently has is the one that they're supposed to be on. Yeah, which is somehow running late, which is just great for them. But I want to know, if is Orville blind? It's a serious question. Because he's calling into radio control being like, can I land? Unlike a plane, you have eyeballs. You may look say with planes they also hands like the, they have to request all of that permission but it does but make me wonder like him. yeah were there other albatrosses did they all die in the war what's uh what's up was he expecting more albatross mm-hmm. i don't know maybe he can't see out of the goggles that he himself is forcing himself to wear i also really really like that he just hears bernard's voice whom he's never met before and he's like cool you can tell me i'm safe right yeah i guess he's like ah oh, you must be the new guy orville is very trusting very trusting but um well this is this is where we get into the controversy of this movie do you remember this controversy oh is this the naked lady this is the naked lady right 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 well before we hit up at that um i do like when they take off bernard points out something like he just went through a red light and bianca goes oh darling i do that all the time ma'am that's not right 
Right. Thank you for admitting you suck at driving, but maybe maybe we don't let you do it ever again. Also, I want to know more about what led red lights Bianca is running through, because if these are human red lights, how was she not run over by yep. a human car? Correct. Just not care. So many questions. There's so many questions about how this world works. So many questions, but none of them are going to be answered because we this is the song that i wrote sounded like the background to a marriage retreat promo video god it really did this was a tear all of the music so bad. was bad i didn't this was not a strong musical no. film no it was not um and the and and this is when uh orville is flying through new york city and um this is where the controversy comes in because when the rescuers was actually released on VHS. Disney had to recall uh, 3.4 million copies because in one of the background cells, um, you can see a topless woman. Yep, it's true. That's and that happens. Like, Perfect. I don't know. I don't even remember. Like, even watching this as a kid, that did not stick out in my mind. I didn't obviously watch this that much. We spent more no. time with the rescuers down under, but correct. I, I feel like this was too too reaching. Yeah, and it's also like as you were pointing out, it was like one second. Yeah, there's a lot more things that we can start getting very about, and this just doesn't seem I, worth the hoopla. I would argue that. Every scene that Madame Medusa is on screen where she is not wearing some type of overcoat is probably a little bit more lascivious. Fair enough. <laughs> like we were saying, that dress is barely clinging on to her lumpy body. <laughs> it's doing a lot of overtime. Yes. Yes. But like, it's fine. All she needs to do is just buy one in her size. Yeah. That would have been nice for all of us. It wouldn't have killed her, I don't think. But but yeah, like we we're saying, uh, Bernard and Bianca have what is a private jet. Yes. Why then? Down to the bike? Yeah, just for for funsies. It's incredible. It's. How long was this very luxurious? I have so many questions. Like, this is turning into a Monty Python moment where it's like, how fast would an albatross only carrying two mice going from New York to the <laughs> to New Orleans? Ah. Yeah, exactly. How fast would it go? Because they treat it like it's a two-hour flight on a commercial airline. Yeah. But does it take a bird less time since he can pick up the jet stream so it's a little bit more efficient? I don't know. Question. These are questions. And I took a I took another screenshot while they were um showing them flying through the air because there's one there's at least one frame where we kind of look at the underside of Orville flying and he has no legs. He just disconnected them for the flight. His landing gear was retracted. It was retracted all the way inside his body. And uh, they don't seem to appear again until they get attacked by fireworks that Mr. Snoop set off. <laughs> all right. So it's fine. I think 
I think during the song, I was I was getting very bored because yeah, um, it's very boring. I I started writing uh, an all drag queen remake of the Rescuers. Jesus, but I didn't get very far because I was hoping that there would be more characters that would fit for really let's let's be fair rupaul's drag race drag queens yeah um but right like at this moment i was thinking uh bianca del rio would obviously have to be miss bianca mm-hmm. i think jinx monsoon uh would have to be madame medusa um okay. which i was inspired when i saw medusa walk out with her gigantic morbidly obese gators and was like gators this right and i feel like ginger minge would be good as mr snoops Either that or Bob the drag queen. Yeah, Bob would be a good one too. But tell me, who would you who would you cast as Bernard? Right? This is a tough question. Alexia is deep in thought. The person I was gonna pick's already been picked, which is which is Jinx. Jinx could play (laughs) Bob. Well, because I think that she's able to do that kind of like demure stuttery kind of thing yeah who's who who is basically a fish out of water enough milk oh god <laughs> that would be actually i i would i would pay to watch uh milk and bianca del rio as a buddy mice film bernard and bianca bernard and bianca yeah i'd be in for that <laughs> I, would I don't be think they would. No. I'm, I don't know. I feel like several of these people would probably be up for it. Jinx Monsoon would jump at the chance to voice Mad- Madame Medusa. I was thinking more of Bianca herself. <laughs> but can you imagine her saying some of those lines? Darling, don't worry about it. No, and I think that's why it's funny. <laughs> Level of grace that Eva Gabor brings to it. <laughs> love Ava Gabor but um I love Ava Gabor as much as I hate fireworks I don't like fireworks all they do is terrorize my animals and fuck up the environment what about um what about drones uh like have you seen seen videos where drones replace fireworks yeah are you kind of like are you pro that yeah I'm fine with that yeah that's totally fine I think that makes sense I'm I'm like um, I'm kind of fireworks ambivalent like That's they're kind of cool but I think they're super wasteful and yeah. I don't think that they're worth it and they make a lot of noise and are dangerous I too am more for drones creating really cool patterns in the sky Same. that's more my uh, speed when it comes to stuff yeah that's my dystopian future there we go <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll no longer get oh god oh no i just had a very horrible thought we're no longer going to have fireworks for fourth of july in the future we're going to have drones which means we're also going to have ad breaks where the drones are going to form like the pepsi cola logo or something right well the one good thing that mr snoops's fireworks can do is that he can have absolutely customized messages because i'm getting a little ahead of it but they use the fireworks to light up the swamp because pennies escaped and Medusa's gonna go find her. So he's just setting off a bunch of fucking fireworks, which land, which ground uh, Orville, Bernard, and Bianca very quickly. Yeah. 
And I mean, then, they are a flight hazard. They are. But then, you know, once they found Penny, because the world's largest crocodiles managed to sniff her out, Snoop sends up some fireworks that just say, got girl. Right. How did he just do that on the fly? Like, that was incredible. But like you said, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because we do land um, in the swamp. And Mm -hmm. I did. I had to I had to both draw our two mouse. uh, Yeah, people and. Medusa and her gators and her gators. Yeah. And her fat ass gators. Massive gators. They're so fat. Oh, before I forget, there was one more. Crocodiles. There was also one more thing I forgot, which is uh, right before they're about to take off, Bernard's like, you should make sure your seatbelt's on tight. And she's like, I can't. It'll wrinkle my dress. I'm like, die then. Right? Also, you don't wear pants. (laughs) In the Rescuers Down Under, because we have been looking at the screenshots, Uh Bianca's outfit has drastically changed to just a hat and a bow, like, Mm -hmm. around her shoulders. And that's it. You are naked, that's Man. what she's wearing now. Wears, you can be safe. Well, she's wearing and a she coat also... for the ride. But for the yeah. most part, she's just in a hat and a bow. Yeah. You could put a belt on that. Exactly. You'll be but fine. <laughs> I do also like two things about this. I'd be scared of Medusa or anyone who can domesticate crocodiles, but I love how absolutely unafraid of them Penny is. She does not give a single fuck about these crocodiles. You know, I guess when you can talk to animals as a kid, you're just like, fuck this. I can talk my way out of anything. If I have to, I will have a one-on-one with these crocodiles. Yeah, like when they grab her when she's running away, she literally just has like arms folded. It's like, why do you have to go and spoil all my fun? It's not even like, let me go. Put me down. It's just, you suck. You suck so much. This might explain how penny has for the most part not been super freaked out about her situation that's fair she does she's immortal either i either that or she just is like i was born with no fucks to give yeah you know when you're an orphan and you don't have parents you don't care about parents you don't care about anything that's a fair point but um the crocodiles are going too fast for bernard and bianca to catch so they talk to pat buttram and is she a mouse Ellie Mae. Yeah. I think they're muskrats. Just kidding. Yeah, they're muskrats. And Pat Buttram, we love the voices that you have done. I don't think that Pat was the right voice for Luke the hillbilly here because he only, Pat Buttram only knows how to do like one hillbilly. And this does not sound like they're from Louisiana. Like, no, it just sounds like a person from more like Tennessee. Yeah, it really is just this generic Southern voice, but it's not the, it's not the, the I'm from the bayou. It doesn't it's, have. It doesn't have that bayou twang. It doesn't have that bayou twang. It doesn't Which have I don't the, have. Like, yeah, it doesn't have the, the like, oh, we just need ourselves some moonshine. Like they don't like draw things out. I don't know. No, but he does have homemade liquor, which I think is um, nuclear fuel. Yeah, they have moonshine. <laughs> yeah, which definitely is nuclear fuel. It's like moonshine the fuck out of here. What? He drinks like one thing and everything explodes. He drinks like a bottle. Also, I love how Ellie Mae's like, oh my god, Oroville's crashing. Luke, come help me. And he sits up glugs a third of whatever the fuck is in his moonshine jug and then ambles down to try to help 
And by try to help, I mean he walks in the direction of his wife yelling. He is he is the definition of uh, a uh, what is the word high functioning alcoholic. Oh my god! Because that this this muskrat survives on moonshine. He is ex- like ninety nine percent alcohol. I guarantee it. It it has to help him though in a way because Orville crashes right into him. That's an albatross into a muskrat, and he is unharmed because he is so drunk he doesn't stiffen up at all he just sits up as like Whoop! yeah when you're when you are pure alcohol nothing can harm you no but orville wisely decides he's gonna get the fuck on up out of there <laughs> yeah. um, and this is the last time we see orville so um i will say that speaking of final performances he was voiced by jim jordan who is 80 years old when the film was completed he had been lured out of retirement to do the role, having not performed since the death of his wife and his comic partner, Marion, in 1961. This is also his last public performance. Yeah, and even though we do get an albatross in The Rescuers Down we Under. Do. It's Wilbur. We it's do get Wilbur. But it's, it's not his- Orville. It's his brother. It's like his weird cousin or brother. Yeah, but uh, Orville wisely is like, I'm out, sees. And this yeah. just this scene proves to me that Medusa would not have noticed mice in her car because she is driving her swamp mobile. There is an albatross in front of her that she does not see at all. She just I, sucks him right up into her swamp mobile. My my note was how the fuck does Medusa not see the gigantic bright white bird in her? Oh well, he's dead. Exactly. I wrote that Medusa can fly and gives zero fucks because when she gets to like a boat ramp, she puts the swamp mobile up that thing and basically just like Tokyo Drift flies onto the houseboat. Um, but before this, we meet even Rude, who's a little dragonfly bud who's got a boat. That's a leaf. Yeah. And he uses it to get Bernard and Bianca places. And he's a very good dragonfly expect him to have as big of a part in this like movie as he did yeah he had kind of a big part because his his part is then like they're saying um ellie may is like okay even we will take you there i'm gonna round up some help and when you're ready for us send him back and we'll come yeah and i don't know there was something about um even rude that i that i was just kind of like okay this is I guess happening. fine as a character. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It was kind of boring, but... He was kind of boring, but I also just didn't really understand why, like, Bianca was like, yes, we have to, we have to uh, make sure that even Rude is um, getting what he needs. Like, she was very much cheering him on. Which well, I was to like, be fair, she was like, you're my method of transportation. Come on, bud. Yeah. But... That's fair. <laughs> Medusa beats us back to the houseboat. Um... Where we find out that Penny has been sent to her room by Snoops because the crocodiles got back there with her in time. And I like that Medusa is basically like, you don't have a way with kids. You gotta force them to like you. Yeah. That's the way to do it. And because Snoops is like, well, how do you get kids to like you? And she's like, you force them to! And then as she's leaving with Nero and Brutus, she does one of my favorite things, which is where he asks her a question. I don't remember what it was. And he and she goes, yes. Yes. Exactly. I do, I do like that, too. Um, there was 
there was also one scene where we see Penny and she loses her ears. Yeah, we she she falls victim to the Disney ear removal. Yeah. For and a I hot also second. I don't know when I drew this picture because it doesn't really fit in with the others, but I did have to draw. Uh, oh, I know where that is. Yeah, Madame Medusa, where she's just kind of sitting sitting there, and it really shows her full silhouette, I yeah. guess we'll call it. She, again, just is a lump. This is the scene that we were just talking about. She's holding a stick in her... A, po- a pool a, cue. Yeah, right? like a pool cue that she just beams Snoops with. Um <laughs> And then she kind of walks away. And then we go back to, this is the scene I was saying that I have vivid memories of, because this is the organ scene. Yeah. Bianca and yeah, they make it to the houseboat and they're sneaking in. And then as the crocodiles walk by, they stop and start. Sniffing around for her. Yeah. yeah. And Bernard goes, Bianca, they smell your perfume. And I want to know what fucking moron wears perfume on a stealth rescue mission, Bianca. I also wanted to know why she's even trying with the perfume because she must stink like the bayou at this point. Like, there's no way that the that furry hat that she wears is not the most disgusting thing ever. And once again, why are you wearing perfume on a stealth rescue mission? Right? Exactly. I, I'm just glad that we got to witness uh, some musically talented crocodiles oh, in yeah. this film. Oh, yeah. Yes, the two of them gang up to play us a little crazy medley that somehow isn't just <laughs> the whole yeah, time. Dong, dong, dong. <laughs> yeah, they got a couple little um, notes in there. And what they're doing is they're using the power of the air in the bellows of the organ to blow Bernard and Bianca out of the pipes because that's where they're hiding. And it's going pretty well, actually. Um, they managed to catch Bernard, I think. But Medusa comes in because she's not a fan of organ music and she's had enough. She just screams at them both. She's like, stop this infernal racket right now. If you're if you're not a fan of organ music, maybe don't have an organ on your fucking houseboat. It's in your house. But um, yeah, she whacks him on the head with her pool cue, which causes yeah. him to release Bernard. And this is when the chaos reigns because she's like it's a fucking mouse and she loses her mind snoops comes in with a broom the crocodiles are running everywhere she gets a shotgun that has i don't know a hundred rounds in it right it's just constant shooting it off and i hmm, it didn't make much sense any of the scene but not a lot of this movie does but um I did love that they were trying to shoot mice with a shotgun. Because that's the most effective way. Yeah, that's what I Uh, do. That's what what we all do. Um, But the other thing, I I made a note at this point. So she must have said the line, oh, uh, we must try, mustn't we? Uh, I think this happens a little later. Yeah, I think it's a little later when they're talking about getting getting Penny down to find the diamond. Yeah, because this is when Medusa wants to like, as you said, she's trying to talk to her and be like, sweet talker, hello, dear. Yeah, but I made this note because another another issue that I have with kind of Disney films in general, especially during this time period, mm-hmm. is they don't really care about accents for people. But Medusa in particular, we were just talking about why doesn't she have a, um, uh, like a, shop a pawn in shop. New Orleans. 
in in, in Louisiana. Yeah. Why do they give her like this weird mid-Atlantic accent too? She doesn't sound like she's from New York. She doesn't sound like she's from Louisiana, which arguably I think if they made her sound like she's from Louisiana, that would have added some intrinsic backstory to, okay, you couldn't make it there. So you moved to New York where you could make it. Well, Geraldine Page herself is from Missouri. She, But they give her lines that make her sound like mid-Atlantic. Like, like who in Missouri says mustn't? I think that might just be someone trying to be a little bit. Ta, 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 ta. Yeah, but it's a very like Disney thing, right? It's like a lot fair. Of, a lot of Disney, they 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 have much more. Uh, I would say proper, proper English. Well, like <laughs> when I'm being patronizing to people before, I've said things like "can't have that now, can we?" But I don't talk like that normally either. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm overthinking this, but it's something I that I was know. picking up on. <laughs> That's fair. I'm also not as great as picking at picking up um, the subtle accents. Yeah, accents in Disney movies are weird. When you notice that, like everyone has pretty much like this semi-British, mid-Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> much the same. Yeah. <laughs> but here is where they finally meet Penny. After Penny comes back from talking to Medusa, where basically Medusa's like, yeah, you're not going anywhere until you get this mythical diamond for me. And she comes back to the room and sees them. And she is like, did you bring anyone? Did you call the police? Who's here to help? And they're like, it's us. The mice. And even Penny's a little practical where she's kind of like, this could seem like enough, but... She gets on board with the plan pretty quick. You can talk to animals. Stop complaining. You're getting rescued. Yeah, she exactly. does get on. She gets get on board with the plan pretty quick, um, which is seemingly a plan of okay. Let's try to get the diamond as well. Like we'll just see if maybe we can find it when we're down there, and then we'll rescue you. <laughs> actually i think their plan was not to put penny down the well at all point blank period they were like well you're going back down tomorrow morning so we need to get out of here before then but they're not able to do it but i like how the plan is basically we'll just steal medusa's shit and get out yeah that's the plan we'll take the boat and some some stuff and we'll just great i also love how like this is this is maybe the first rescue that Bianca has gone on, Miss Bianca, and she's so excited by every single step Everything. of the adventure. She's just so gung-ho about literally everything. She's on board for whatever. People, someone could have, you know, uh, Jason could go by and be like, Molotov cocktail, and she'd be like, oh, what a brilliant idea. Right? But they're not able to rescue her because the villagers don't get to them in time, so they have to go down into the pirate cave into the pirate cove which admittedly would be pretty cool um if there wasn't the threat of of blood and the tide coming in yeah like if you couldn't die it'd be awesome to explore down there i agree but i also like how medusa takes her um penny's teddy bear as incentive (laughs) right she takes her poo bear yeah penny's like i want my teddy bear with me at all times and if he goes down there he's gonna get wet and medusa's like no problem he'll just uh stay here dry uh with me it's the collateral <laughs> yeah 
So they start going down there, and I like that Bianca just exclaims, what a dreadful, frightening place, as though she expected something else. You're in a swamp. How is this the first time that you're suddenly afraid of things? Well, not only that, but you're also in a swamp descending into a cave. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you landed in a swamp. You should have been like, this is a dreadful, frightening place right here. And then it just gets worse. Right, because everything is during the uh, the nighttime. Oh, except for this scene when we're above ground. The yeah. only daytime scenes are the very beginning, the UN arrivals, and this scene here when Snoops and Madame Medusa are waiting for Penny. And I think at the very, very end when we're watching the TV, like the actual scene that's happening on the TV, I think is during the day. Oh, I think so, yeah. But for the most part, this is a nighttime film. Which is a very odd choice super like weird. i don't i don't know if that was a conscious choice or not it must have been it must have been must have been for the mood of it but they do send her down into this pirate cave which absolutely has skulls and shit in it implying that people have died in here and lucky for her she is bernard and bianca and that's not sarcastic because the location of where this diamond is there is no way she would have been able to make her way over there on her own on a hunch for nothing yeah and I don't know. I don't know how she would have gotten this diamond either. No, I also want to know how Medusa even knows that it's down there. Like you can follow maps and stuff, and it could be that the last noted location of the Devil's Eye was this cave. But lucky for her, it's still there. But practically, it could have been like very much not. So I also made a note um, that surely Penny gets stuck in this hole for hours. Uh, why is Medusa asking for status updates if she's if Medusa and Penny like they've done this song and dance before Mm -hmm. plenty of times before but the way the the film kind of works is Penny gets shoved down into that hole there's a couple of minutes of them uh, of Penny and the mice having a conversation and then yeah she kind of roots around for the diamonds for a bit yeah and then before we know it Medusa's like what's taking so long like Mm -hmm. it's been two minutes woman yeah (laughs) But she's so impatient about it. Yeah. And I also would love to know uh, why the bayou is just brimming with gems. Because there's a bunch of gems. So many. There's so many tiny little gems that are worth hundreds and thousands of dollars. But Medusa basically wants the Hope Diamond number two. Which, not explained in this movie at all, is somehow shoved into a fully intact skull yeah so it implies kind of that after this man died they put a gem in his skull that takes up the entirety of his skull too it's not like it It doesn't Mm -hmm. yeah even though it's called the devil's eye it should be called the devil's brain because it's that big huge yeah it does not fit through the eye socket of this guy because that's where they get stuck the tides coming in and bernard and bianca are drowning trying to get this gemstone out of the skull but oh my god yeah (laughs) i gotta say bernard is the practical one he's always the one with the suggestions he's like penny get the sword use the sword you know and she uses it to um, pry open the skeleton's mouth but this is the not the first time that he's been the one he's like they smelled your perfume we need to do this it's like so the janitor was the natural rescue aid society member the whole time yes he was he was he was hidden in plain sight hidden in plain sight like apparently this diamond i also don't understand why they didn't just bring the skull like the whole the whole issue with the water rising and them trying to get out was the skull is is stuck yeah yes and the tide is coming in 
the tide is coming in and there's a diamond in there. And instead of trying to just wedge the skull out from the rocks and just they take did. the whole thing, they took the skull. You see Penny trying to pull on the skull. Ah, uh, that's it. But then they didn't try it with the sword. And then that's, that's where no, they're like, Let's no. just open the mouth. Yeah. I would have honestly just tried stopping it with my heel. As weird as that sounds, I would have just tried to crush the skull. I would have too. I would have smashed that skull. The diamond will be fine. Diamond will be fine. If anything, it would hurt your foot. Yeah. But she manages to get it. She rescues Bernard and Bianca. This like seven-year-old girl. I love Penny. She is not afraid of crocodiles. She will get into cars with strangers. She will steal your shit. She will run away a hundred million times, rescue some mice, gives it she sasses people with guns. She does not care. Penny? Penny doesn't give a fuck. I think Penny might be an immortal. Like, I keep going back to this because there's also, I wrote down a line that was very pathetically read um, after they get the diamond. Mm -hmm. Penny very casually says, the water's coming in. Please get me up. Yeah. Like, she doesn't even say it like in like a, oh my God, the water's coming in. It's like she's made peace with death and you're either going to bring her up or the water is going to wash over her and she'll wait a hundred years until somebody else rescues her. And she also goes back for Bernard and Bianca. She's not just like, you're, I'm too scared. She's like, Jesus Christ, gotta get these two. Yeah. But like you said, they get her up. The diamond grows twice as large now that it's out of the skull. It's so funny because if anything, it should look larger in Penny's hands because she's a kid. Yeah, but it's bigger (laughs) in Medusa's hands. Yes, uh, this MacGuffin just keeps growing. Uh, And then Medusa just kind of stares at it like Gollum like my precious and she's like it's mine now it's just mine (laughs) like that's all i want then we see um a quick thing where even rude goes and finally manages to make it to the neighbors to tell them that they need to get to come and help yes and a note about even rude's name which i don't know how anybody would have known this um there was a company (laughs) called even rude outbound motors which was for those boat motors Mm-hmm. And that's why this dragonfly is named Evenrude. All right. Because he's supposed to be like a little boat motor. Which is fair, but I really wonder, like, is that a reference that Disney was like, oh, people are going to get this and it'll be hilarious? I have no idea, but he like five get... people. <laughs> he does manage to get back to the house, though. And here's where we see the um, second use of that alcohol. Uh, the moonshine? The moonshine, yeah. Luke gives even Rude one drop, and he's ready to lead the entire army. Yeah, and and this is another really fun thing about animation. Earlier, there was a scene with all of the uh, swamp animals gathering in Ellie Mae's and Luke's house to all kind of discuss this rescue, and Mm -hmm. everyone is the same size. So we have an owl that is the same size as a rabbit, that is the same size as a turtle, that is the same size as this, what was Ellie Mae? Muskrat. A muskrat. They're all very those, proportional. All of those creatures are just like, I don't know, how big's a muskrat? Like maybe this. They're all thing. hanging out in their in their and just in their house. Yeah, in their house. It's it's incredible. It is incredible. <laughs> but um, then um, but- even Rude does the. Yeah, and he uh, starts to lead the charge, which is where we get one um, of my morals from this movie, which is that drinking is good. Yes. Uh, especially if you're a size-changing swamp animal. Yes. Um, but as they're running, the turtle needs a little bit of help from people. 
And I think the most relatable portion is the rabbit uh, catching him on his fishing pole to help keep him up with the crowd and the turtle angrily yelling, I don't need any help from anybody. That was so cute. I, re- I really was. liked that moment. That was hilarious. And then we get a little bit of a tone change, though. Oh, right because- back to the houseboat. Because Medusa is like, ooh, well, I need to hide this diamond, so I'm going to put it in this uh, teddy bear. Yeah, and she's also holding a Penny and Snoop's at gunpoint. She, Medusa could have put that massive diamond betwixt any of her mystery folds, and it would have stayed safer than putting it in a teddy bear. Or just, like, put it in her suitcase and her coat. No, not her suitcase. We already know that that would have she would gone have very that. badly. That's <laughs> yeah. fair, but you know what I mean. There was an there was other options. Yeah, one of the options uh, in this movie was to jet ski away with her two crocodiles, which I particularly love that scene. Anytime Same. anyone is jet skiing with gators or crocs, a yeah. plus, a plus. Well, this quickly goes from being a very serious hold to a gunpoint moment to Scooby Doo. Because um, all the animals arrive to just wreak havoc. Yeah, and I would I would say hijinks ensue. Yeah. And Medusa gets her just desserts um, by, she gets, what, f- flung overboard and, like, stuck in the, in the swamp, right? Yeah, she ends up clinging to a pole because the houseboat's burning down and the crocodiles are trying to get to her now. Yeah. And this movie very quickly is like, okay, we reached the climax. Now we have to wrap up. Yeah, no, it immediately is like, and scene. Mm-hmm. And, and immediately we we basically get to, all right, uh, Medusa's in the water. We're going to assume she's dead. Uh, yada, yada, yada. The mice bring Penny back to New York. She's got adopted. She is now the richest orphan this side of the Mississippi. The um, gemstone has been donated to the Smithsonian. Um. I'm assuming Penny has a reputation as like a diamond sniffing kid. And that's kind of how she got adopted too. Must Uh, be. Assumedly. Um, Nobody points out how odd it is that Penny can talk to mice, even though she brings it up on the national news. Yeah. Everyone just kind of is like, Oh, kids. And yeah, we kind of get a look of the, the rescuer society being like, cool. Well, that was great. Yeah. Anyway. Uh well, on to the next, next mission. Episode. Yeah. And I, I I think they should have ended this movie with um, the rescuers will return down under. Down under. <laughs> but yeah, that's the end of the movie, by the way, in case anyone was like, that's it. Yep. Even, even though I wrapped it up really quickly, I did still make a note that this truly felt like an ending to the film. At least they wrapped it up. They did. And not just it like, just... Bye. Yeah, like so many Disney movies, just uh, we got as far as we won in the plot. See ya. We've done all we wanted to do. This was a whirlwind. This was a whirlwind. It's it's it is a whirlwind. But um, did you? Is it a whirlwind that you liked? And would you recommend it? So I, I did like the rescuers not having a big memory of it as a kid mm-hmm. having more of a memory of rescuers down under mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a little bit maybe a little bit fuzzy there but watching it as an adult there were a lot of enjoyable moments however i am torn on whether or not i recommend this film that's fair um i i feel like there's so many plot holes that as an adult maybe 
maybe not watch this. Um, but that said, I'm very curious to see if I change my mind when we watch Rescuers Down Under. Fair enough. Because maybe I'm just holding that on too high of a pedestal. Maybe. And I'm wondering the same thing about myself a little. Yeah, but what what about you? Would you do you like and do you recommend this mouse movie? So I actually do like it and I do recommend it. I I think it's really funny and stupid. There's a lot of moments where you can just be like, what the fuck? And move on from it. And I think that if you ignore the plot holes in the sense that you don't like not ignore them, but you just kind of have to be like, that's for a movie that we're not watching. <laughs> it can be pretty fun. But I am curious to see how it's gonna stack up when I watch Rescuers Done Under, because I haven't seen that one in quite a while. And I'm really excited about this one too, because this one comes out 20 years later. Um, not 20 years later, it comes out in 1990 or so. So it's, you know, Thir- 13 years later, 13 years yeah. later, but it still has Bob Newhart and Ava Gabor as uh, Bernard and Bianca. Yeah. And it's, it's going to have a lot more, I think, recognizable names <sighs> for our age group because John Candy is also in the rescuers down under. Sorry. I'll two things. Ava Gabor as Miss Bianca. This is Gabor's last film role before her death in 1995. Ooh. This is uh, the rescuer's Sorry, that's what I gasped about. It was like, we found him. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've, as, as we discussed, uh, was it yesterday or, or uh, not yesterday, last week or earlier this week, where it's like, we're getting to the era where we are going to see a lot of final performances from these names. Like, I don't think we're going to see a lot more of Barbara Luddy, sadly. Um, mm-hmm. Which is very sad for me, because as I pointed out, I've been retroactively blessed by her. So I do love her. <laughs> but as you said, we're getting into people we know. Like I was just talking about John Candy the other day because he's also in this movie Splash, which yeah. a lot of people don't know about. But it's a great movie that has John Candy. It's got John, um, Tom Hanks Tom and Hanks. Daryl Hannah. And a <laughs> bunch of people are like, I've never heard of this film. Yeah, Splash about um, the mermaid. Yes, it's such guys. That's <laughs> such a good movie. It's a that really is, fun one. It is. But I uh, Yeah. I'm yeah. curious to see how we both react to that one. But I'm also excited that it is still within the time period where we get um, Bernard and Ava coming back. Me too. I'm glad that they were, <laughs> this is awful to say, but I'm glad that they were alive <laughs> to yes. be able to reprise their roles. I mean, um, and that's, that is exactly what it is. Yeah. And I think that maybe, is that the first sequel? Bob Newhart, I mean. Yeah, this is the first one that we discussed where it ends up being canonical rather than just um, a sequel that's like Tarzan 2 and it's thrown into the direct DVD lineup. The Rescuers Done Under is, I believe, outside of Frozen 2, but it is the first movie. Yeah, this is the first first Disney animated sequel. Where the sequel um, becomes canonical. We get Frozen (laughs) and Frozen 2 in the future and we also get Wreck-It Ralph and Ralph Breaks the Internet. So they're starting to do it more now but this was the first one yeah and i'm i'm looking forward to watching rescuers down under but i think what i'm especially looking forward to is that we are continuing our uh animal protagonist trend with these movies um as next week we will be discussing the depressing heartbreaking but also adorable fox and the hound i don't want to see it i know i've been i i was telling alexia that i have been putting off watching this movie because every time i started and i'm just like i am not emotionally ready (laughs) i just never really liked this movie to begin with so i'm just not interested but 
I will do it. We will do it. We will come back and and figure it all out next week to discuss um, the fox and the hound. But do you have anything you need to do before, but anything you need to say before we sign off? Or should we both go deal with the fact that I think mice are making miniature versions of our outfits? Oh, yeah. I got to go talk to those mice tailors because they are not getting the proportions right at all on the mice. They're giving them a lot of butt. Which, I think I mean, my concern is that I'm currently wearing something with the Texas Roller Girls logo on it, and I just don't know if they've cleared it with them. So I think I need to go figure that out. This is a copyright thing. And as these <laughs> mice presumably come from the Disney world of uh, tailoring, mm-hmm. uh, they are going to be they, they should care about the they should you know, litigiousness. Of yeah. It all. So we're going to go deal with the, the mini mice who are making tiny wardrobes for us. And we'll see you next week. Uh, so long, Glamour Boys. So long, Glamour Boys. Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nest's podcast. Your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thirumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discuss, all one word. On Instagram at instagram.com slash discuss, all one word again. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash damselswhodisco, because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damselswhodiscuss at gmail.com. So long, Glamour Boys! So long, Glamour Boys! <laughs> <laughs>